0: Here I go again. Simobile, old, old friends. It's just my place for security. Place I call friends that like you and me. Here I go again.
1: Hello everybody, welcome back to the best little city in America. It's the Patrick Lally Show podcast. The uh, the generic version, the homogenized version of the once famed, the semi-popular, and uh, short-lived radio show. But uh, we are here at Full Circle Book Co-op in beautiful downtown Sioux Falls and on 10th Street, 123 West 10th Street, the good people at the Full Circle Book Co-op, your left-leaning, no, 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 it's your conservative communist left-leaning libertarian bookstore and cafe where we host this podcast each and every week on Tuesday nights. Uh, Normally... We have, uh, we're, we're moving right into the uh, city council bingo, but this is an off council weekend. It's the, what, fourth Tuesday of the month or the sixth, what, whatever it is, they don't have council tonight. So there's no city council bingo, just the podcast, which is a draw in and of itself to be sure. However, uh, we're going we're gonna to sort of get away from politics a little bit tonight uh, because my guest, and I'm, I got to tell you, I'm very excited about this. Uh, I've been planning this for weeks. And uh, is uh, Mick Gary, former my former colleague, uh, famed. Uh, what did I say? Noted Irishman, uh, famed sports writer, and raconteur Mick Gary. Mick, thanks for being here.
2: Hey, I I, uh, I like that intro. That was cool. And but on the other stuff, I was kind of thinking that this is like, this is like that fourth exhibition game where you just <laughs> <laughs> you throw all the thirds and threes and fours out there and. Let them fight it out for 60 minutes? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's that, kind of, it's that time of year, okay. right? It's yep. preseason
1: football yeah. time. We got it coming up. And you know what? I think we'll talk a little bit about football here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Because uh, as I mentioned, you're, you're a sports writer, sports reporter, uh, and you're still writing about sports. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but you were uh, in the business, as we say, the industry, the newspaper biz, as a sports reporter for how long? If you count when I started. Um, That's usually where we start. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thank
2: you for pointing this. My first job was full time job was with Tommy Kramer's Viking Report, and yeah. it would have been about 1986. And I, I spent a little bit of time doing that, and then that ran aground. That uh, <laughs> venture.
1: So that was that was Tommy Kramer's. Like, it was it a print deal? Was it TV? It was. was
2: it, it was a print deal. It, it was a weekly. Thing during the season, and then I don't know, probably monthly during the off season. Uh, and he wasn't obviously he wasn't in there. He wasn't ten thirty at night <laughs> with his red pencil. <laughs> so, Although I would have liked to see that, trying to cut, get me to cut down on my passive sentences. But uh, <laughs> but okay. I got to you know I got to meet him a couple of times. Yeah. yeah, I was going to ask it, you. It was get... it was the, the, my access to going to Viking camp. I was the envy of all my. Journalism student colleagues at the time, so it was really fun. Like in that regard,
1: so you're uh, you got out of you went to St. Thomas up in the cities. You're from Austin, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. Um, doing the whole Upper Midwest thing. You're that guy, and you're working for. I mean, you're covering the Vikings. That that really had to be kind of like waking up every morning, going,
2: "Wait a minute, I'm covering the Vikings. Screw you, people." It was so fun, and it was uh, it gave me a chance to understand that. This is how you behave. Little things like mm-hmm. how you in a behave in a, room. in a in a locker room and in a press conference and what to expect when you're dealing with somebody who may or may not uh, really be in, fully engaged in what you want him to say or do. And, Appreciate uh,
1: your particularly insightful question.
2: Yeah, and uh, but I, it was just it was fun going out there. It was fun getting to know the mainstream. I guess they didn't use that term back then. No. It was just media, but uh, the the Twin Cities media, yeah, uh, and, and all the people who followed the team, Ricy. and getting to know those people to a certain extent, it was it was really cool to be able to do that at a young age. Uh, and then you know, then you go from there to Crookston, and, <laughs> <laughs> and
1: uh, once they, you know, what happens? Once you go to Crookston, you never go back. All of a sudden, you decide <laughs> you decide whether you like this. As a career or not? You know? <laughs> yeah, lovely Crookston. Uh, I, you know, so that was probably what mid 80s sometime, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, how long are you were in Crookston? That's a long way from there.
2: I, you know, I was there for about seven months, and it was from spring till ah, fall. That's I never not bad. went through the winter there, and I had a great summer there. I played, I got to know some of the amateur baseball guys, and uh, so they, they went, I played on the team, that the summer, town team, and. Uh, and got to know a bunch of people in town really quickly, so it was great. And I honestly I felt bad about leaving there. I think I was making, oh, it was about two ten a week. Yeah. And uh, and then I just w- I went to Austin, Minnesota after that to work at the the paper there, which that wasn't moving to Paris either. But, <laughs>
1: but at least it was your it was your home.
2: Yes. And, and I I knew I had to take that job. So, um, but my time at Crookson was great crookston when were you in Kirkston? it would have been this summer of uh 86 i was there through 86 the spring wow and because uh, i was across the river in 88 okay near,
1: in grand Forks, yeah near dakota
2: it, you know they say it's like well it's the plains and yeah. this is, it's flat down here it's nothing like there <laughs> no it's very if flat. like if i would be going out to and I would want to go to Grand Forks, which I remember as being just due west. Yep. And you would—it'd be—it'd be dark, and you'd see, well, oh, wow, okay, I'm just coming up on Grand Forks. No, you're not. <laughs>
1: it just looks like you are. It's just the glow from 40 miles away. Yeah. But Crookston, lovely town. It's like the beginning of the North Woods,
2: right? That's that's yeah, and, hell on and away um, from Grand Forks. And, and growing up in Austin, Minnesota, and you'd use this phrase lot, as a lot of southern Minnesota people do, that they're going they're going up north. Yeah, that's right. And that could mean, that's basically anything north of St. Cloud to somebody who grew up in Austin, Minnesota. <laughs> and St. Cloud is three hours south of Crookston. So.
1: You were a long way from home then. Yeah. It that's was, pretty good. I don't
2: know, it was about a six and a half hour drive. When
1: you ended up in Sioux Falls, when?
2: It would have been the fall yeah. of 1990.
1: Yeah. And so, that's when I got to know you. Yep. Uh, right away. We, had, we were just starting Tempest at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started in 89, yeah, late 89, uh, November of 89 was the first issue, so you, you, you were part of that, that sort of young Turks crowd at that time. Yes.
2: And we had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Saw a lot of music that I don't pay attention to anymore. You no, know, uh, was... Bob
1: Keyes was here then. Yes. And uh, Bob was always out and about trying to make his mark. And mm-hmm. uh, of course Stu, which we won't even talk about. Yeah. Because most of that's under seal, uh, federal grand jury. <laughs> I don't want to go into it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot of those guys, Mike, I think about Mike Romer and uh, some of the, Paul Bukowski and the photographers and everybody, there was a lot of people around our age just hanging out here at that time. It was a kind
2: of magical time. It, w- it was. And it magical, I think, for, for your operation, a tip is, too. Yep. I came here with a, um, knowing about the alternative press and how, mm-hmm. and, and appreciating the work you guys were doing at the time. and. And really, you know, every week, looked forward to reading that newspaper and and the the work that you guys were doing. And uh, yeah, and and I remember, you know, once knowing who you guys were, it's seeking you out or the other way around. It, it, fast friends there.
1: Yeah, we had a great time. And actually, Bob Keys was responsible, really, for all the success, if you can call it that, notoriety, perhaps, that Tempest ever had. Because he, we ran into him one night, told him the story about us getting thrown out of. Uh, uh, a local grocery chain for having uh, uh, gay personals, and boom, one story on the front page of the Argus Leader, and <laughs> the rest is history. Uh, and that really was, it was just from that with those relationships hanging yeah. out because I ran into them. I remember when we had the conversation it was at Lucky Cruiser's bar, watching Rich Show play at uh, at uh, over on West 12th Street, mm-hmm. which is a weird, weird. Con- no, it's long gone. Long gone. It was a video lottery joint. And it had been Kirk's. That Kirk's. One of those cafes. But um, I should mention Rich Show, who led us in, as you heard, uh, the fine podcast. Uh, Rich Show, the featured artist on every Patrick Lally podcast. And we have him to thank for it. And I should mention, before we get too far, uh, the show is sponsored, Nick. I don't know if you know that or not. Okay. It's a high-quality operation. Yeah. Northview Bait and Tackle is our sponsor again this week. Uh, all Your Finest uh, Bait. Tackle, of course, live bait and dead bait. I guess. Okay. Uh, you got your. There's two kinds. You got you got uh, minnows and worms, but of course you got leeches, grubs, mm-hmm. uh, uh, spikes, spikers, and then uh, all kinds of tackle. But also uh, U-Haul, propane, propane accessories, uh, long-term storage, and high-end dog and cat food. So all those needs you can get filled at Northview Bait and Tackle on North Kiwanis Avenue, right across from Elmwood Park. So there you go. Uh, returning to my guest, McGary. So you're in Sioux Falls or hanging out. You were a sportscaster for, or a sports writer. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to insult you that way. You're a sports writer for um, your your entire adult life. Pretty much, yeah. Why? I mean, why sports? Why
2: you're 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 a craftsman? Why always sports? I I think uh, I like the latitude there, and I was intimidated by. The exactness of some of those other beats, the political beats, where it, you'd have to pretend to be interested in something that you weren't, and I could see doing it. Yeah. Uh, but um, it wasn't what I wanted to do, and uh, I, the, you know, the interest was native; it was automatic with most sports, and even stuff that you know, you go, "My God, what? It, why is he at this particular competition, mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. track meet, whatever?" Uh, but it, it would be kind of an automatic thing. And, it would, and uh, you'd look at this event, whatever was going on, and you'd instinctively start uh, like, trying to wrestle up an uh, angle on it and uh, not being put out most of the time by thinking, occasionally this stuff doesn't match up to my, my toolbox here, skill toolbox. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, absolutely, the, the fact that I didn't have to work that hard at it. <laughs> i mean it didn't it didn't seem like work okay yeah i didn't right. mean it like i was no you were you were but it, it never it's never really seemed like work and it was like it's been a, like kind of like a hobby or on a day when i mean i like to cook and on a day when i wouldn't want to do anything i wouldn't be interested in doing anything i could summon the energy to do some cooking if i was looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. and that's yeah. what sports writing was to me i think most of the time
1: um, did you you ever have those just complete panic moments where you're like, you're at some game, right? You covered the Canaries for a long time. And I think about uh, being a baseball beat writer as one of the worst jobs. Because, and I know it's not. I know it's a great job. But in terms of the writing, like, what the hell? You know, these guys are terrible. And they, they're a bunch of nobodies. And I'm out here for the 42-second day what the shit am I going to write about?
2: (laughs) On deadline, there would be some concerns there once in a while, but then you would, as you go along in the business, you know what comes, how you get through this. You lower your expectations. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you find a story, right? Right. And a lot of times, and it's just, it's just talking to somebody. Okay, there's no real story here today, so I got to, I will find somebody compelling and we will try to I will get a decent conversation with this person and uh, and it, part of its good casting on a day when you got nothing else you go to somebody who you know is going to give you something mm-hmm. semi compelling at least by your measure mm-hmm. and and work at that time you can talk to
1: Ed Noddle, you're way ahead of the game
2: right Ed, <laughs> Ed, is, the, Ed is one of the coolest guys I've ever met
1: long time manager of the Sioux City Explorers and probably consume more Coors Light than any human being on the planet.
2: My favorite story about Ed, which, which I saw it on TV. It wasn't talking to him. But it was, uh, I Love Borders.
1: Yeah, the female, very famous right. national story, woman picture.
2: Right, Susie and it was story. on, so it was on sixteen Minutes. Yeah. And, and Mike Wallace was really trying to, you know, because Ed had said something that was... It was from ed you know yeah. it was it was not uh, it was mildly you know. inappropriate yes and, and i would say mildly but and you can tell he's he's going for wallaces and and ed just without you know knowing that he's basically talking to one of the most what should be one of the most intimidating people on earth yep and he goes love you mike I don't want you to be a manager. I don't think you'd be any good at it. And, it. <laughs> and Wallace is just sitting there then holding his microphones like, duh, duh, duh. I mean, that's it.
1: That's classic Ed. The, like the, he took control of the situation from Mike Wallace. Right.
2: And I then, love it. And then there was another one where I uh, was doing a story on it was one of those years where it was getting down there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there was nothing going on. The canaries were terrible. And I decided that I wanted to write a story about how professional players approach baseball when they have to play 100 times mm-hmm. in, in 105 days versus how we think they should want to play it mm-hmm. and how, how it is at the American Legion level. That's or. a
1: finely crafted uh, budget line okay. there.
2: But, and I knew that Ed was my guy to talk to on this, or one of them. <laughs> and I asked the question, and then as glib as ever, he goes, you know, Mick. <laughs> you think when Babe Ruth grounded out to second base, he ran it out? <laughs> I said, no. And he goes, yeah. Well, I still wouldn't mind having him on my effing team. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Uh,
1: I used to run into Ed. I spent my did my time down in Sioux City. Uh, you could find Ed. Pretty much every night, sitting next to the local sports editor, who should remain nameless, at the point after uh-huh. playing trivia. Uh-huh. On the, I mean, that was it. It was those two guys sitting there playing trivia.
2: <laughs> strange, strange world. What one more Ed story before we awesome. move on? This and this had nothing to do with what he said, but apparently it was up at uh, in Thunder Bay. I think it was Thunder Bay or Duluth. But it's
1: a better story if it's Thunder
2: Bay. It was Thunder Bay. <laughs> And apparently there was some kind of, like, pressure kick in of the water supply yeah. or something like that, and it was the most pressure that had ever run through the pipes at this old stadium, and it blew that, Ed was taking a shower, and it blew <laughs> the shower head completely off, and it hit him in the back while he was taking a shower after everybody had left. <laughs> and I was talking to this guy who kind of was the media guy, yeah. the PR guy for the the whiskey jacks back then and he told me this story and it was like well he was just finishing up with his stuff and all of a sudden he heard this uh, <laughs> uh, and he runs and he, so he, he runs toward the sound and it's Ed who's who got drilled with that shower head and he's laying on that floor of the shower just groaning in pain <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice image yeah. Ed who could barely walk let alone oh. get up he, and he had, an, you know, the. I know you knew it, but he had an, an album back when you only got albums if. You I had did some, not know that. No, I was. Oh, he's, he's a, a, he had a he's, he's a, a crooner, co- country kind of a country crooner. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's and awesome. Uh, well, I got to get a hold of that. It's like 1983 or something like that. And it was an actual. It was an actual album. It wasn't a CD. It I was,
1: did not know that. That's impressive. Um, so that was a. But really, if you think about it, those were some of the best. It was a good period of sports reporting in yes. the there was a rise of minor league sports, and now yeah. it's kind of a given right, right. but then it wasn't
2: it, um, the fascination that uh, with the each team that got here in that kind of in that era as mm-hmm. it, it came along, there was uh, initially a fascination with it, and it definitely was. In hindsight, kind of the start of the steps up for a whole town in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You had the Canaries all of a sudden, and they were in this really nice, uh, independent, independent baseball it was a new animal at the time. But yeah. you were playing St. Paul, you're playing Winnipeg, and it had a
1: very nice sheen to it because it was uh, Vec. It had it had a lot, Bill Murray. You yes. know, it had it had a it had a kind of a celebrity to it.
2: Yes, yeah. And you had your first year. You had Pedro Guerrero who would, was just maybe a year or so out of the game and had yeah. been a, a, a star. And yeah. nobody, they've had nobody that came through town that would approach his level in uh, notoriety. The great Since story he, I heard about Pedro Guerrero, and you can tell me, Pedro Guerrero, who played for the Dodgers, correct? I think he played in a World Series. Mostly Dodgers, and then he signed a, a pretty decent contract with St. Louis, but I don't think he, 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 he got nicked up. And, and, yeah,
1: and, by the time he was here, he was a little hobbled, but he could still hit the ball. You throw it, if, he, if it's in the zone, he's going to hit. Um, yeah. But so the man had some resources. And my, my understanding of the situation, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that when they'd go on the road, everybody'd show up, Pedro would pull up in his Mercedes, and the bus would take off. Pedro wasn't getting on no bus.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, would, he would fly to these places if it was going to be a long...
1: Or he'd just long... follow along in his car right
2: yeah. and that's you fear that guy
1: you know you're the guy who's some punk kid from you know had a good run in the in the you know uh new england Woodbat league or whatever and you come out here and then you're on the team with pedro guerrero you turn around he's in the mercedes
2: behind the bus that's awesome and it was i can't remember i want to say it was kind of like a just a cool like two-door mercedes yeah. or whatever the number was name was yeah at the time but
1: um, he wasn't it, flaunting it no Which it was, was a nice car and if you're gonna have to try yes. if you're gonna have to drive to city you may as well go in style yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i love pedro he uh there was one cool i had a couple of deals with pedro one was was pretty bad because he it, it's too convoluted to really right. get into too much but he was very upset with me and uh but in his own way, I mean, I, he was really cool after that, after I explained exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. and You're blamed it on the editors. No, no <laughs> I was, I was it on him having a misunderstanding of how things had gone that winter. But uh, there was a day where I was, in, I was traveling with the team, and I was in Winnipeg, and I was sitting in the lobby reading the newspaper. Yeah. Okay? And he always used to call me, Reporter guy. Hey, reporter guy. And then he was, then he started acting like he's typing on my head. <laughs> I gotta type out, I gotta type out a report. Okay. But then he takes, then he takes the newspaper. Okay. And he goes back to Gene Dixon, the horoscope. Yep. And he goes, look at famous birthdays. That was his way of telling me that it was his birthday. Oh, that wow. Th- that day he was listed in the Gene Dixon, famous, the horoscope, famous yeah. birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's that a pretty cool story.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's it's a nice Pedro Guerrero moment, and there aren't that many.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so the other person that's kind of... Did you have much uh, contact with Daryl
2: Dawkins? That reminds me. Pedro Guerrero and Daryl Dawkins mm-hmm. are like the same guy. Different sports. And I never... Stu is pretty vigilant about taking on that Sky Force beat at yeah. the time. So I did, any... did a great job with it, but I had no experience with... with uh, because
1: the Daryl Dawkins stories are pretty crazy too. I mean, that guy was a, he was a, he was a bigger than life figure in the NBA, let alone (laughs) playing in Sioux Falls. (laughs) Craziness. Uh, So that, the the minor leagues was a great time. It was a great time to be a sports reporter here.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: Um, And I want to talk a little bit, we're going to talk about, um, I want to talk about twins and Vikings currently in a minute, in a little bit, but I want to talk uh, uh, just briefly about the Yotes. Okay. This is. Near, yeah. I said I was going to be forty-five minutes on the Yelts. Yep. It's not fair. My alma mater. Uh uh-huh. yeah. Not your alma mater, but you covered the Coyotes for a for long time. The, pretty much your entire career. Well,
2: it, yeah. I would, I mean, when I started here, I did some USD stuff, and it was probably ninety-five or so when I became the official beat writer mm-hmm. for those guys, and so it's been a long time.
1: Yeah. That's cool. Like
2: research in your mind, right?
1: Well, this is pretty cool. Uh, we got so, people yeah. having a nice conversation here. I only... I only. They're not bothering me, but I just don't know if they want their conversation recorded for posterity. I wouldn't say anything about your employer or anything, like friends, family. I don't mean it in a bad way at all. I'm just warning you, we are recording. Which you're not bothering... Again, we're not bothering me. Go ahead and have your conversation. Things may be picked up that you may not want the world to know. Thanks for coming though. what do you make now of, let's talk about D1 and the whole uh, move yeah. to, to Division I. Mm-hmm. Was it, I was very skeptical, as you know, mm-hmm. of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and without, I mean, I'm not, not, at some measure, USD didn't have any choice. Uh, SDSU drove the bus on that and yeah. NDSU. I think, I think SDSU kind of got taken along for the ride by NDSU, but that's, that's just me. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe I was completely wrong this was actually something uh, they had to do and there was no choice is that do you believe that to be the case now we're we're verging on augustana trying to go Mm -hmm. raise tens of millions of dollars to pay for scholarships for football Uh that they're never going to win um is this a good has this been a good movement nationwide in in college sports
2: well i think that if you look at uh, number one nobody knew anything was close to any Division One thing. All we had around here, We the, the animal that they were trying to become, talking about SDSU here first, mm-hmm. uh, it did not exist as far as any of us knew. We were not familiar with any program. It no. was, we were familiar with Iowa and Nebraska and Minnesota. But that and, was like a different universe. It was Big Ten. It, uh, and so I think that some of the caution came from that. The apprehensiveness came from that. Uh, definitely if you're looking at the math in it and you looked at the budget that you had Mm -hmm. uh, and without factoring in that and this is a big part of it i think the that once you went division one the how it was going to be a little bit easier to motivate motivate uh your boosters yeah and they they would start coughing it up a little bit especially
1: some of them had a lot of money
2: yeah and, and, lot, but, and about they had half one, a dozen people who had a lot of money. Yes, and you'd have a, a conventional way of like this is okay. This is what I give this this program every year. Blah blah mm-hmm. blah. And then all of a sudden, it's a different deal, and they, they start they start being coming increasingly engaged uh, from day to day with a lot of these sports, and all of a sudden, it, it's easy to justify.
1: But SDSU couldn't have done it without Dana Dykhaus, and I don't say that in any bad way at all.
2: And and everybody who's done it well, they usually had a guy like that, or a woman like that.
1: USD had Miles Beacom. Absolutely. I mean, he's not as big on the sports, but big as a booster of the university. Both guys coming out of First Premier. And the the degree to which First Premier has... that, That that company has spawned D1 Sports in this community cannot be
2: overestimated right i mean oh, absolutely. You just, yeah it's hard to even fathom and and they were the, the people who were involved in these and um again starting with sdsu and taking on the challenge right away but uh their definition of success for their jobs had, be, had to become radically different after they that this was a commitment that they were going to make <laughs> mm-hmm. and that had to be a, uh, an intimidating part of it But having some assurances from people that you knew had, by your definition, inexhaustible supplies of cash. Like if you're Fred
1: Oyen, who was the athletic director at the time and had, you know, is a flawed human being. um, Having Dana Dykhouse in your back pocket and not everybody knowing that. So there's no way for at, at the time for people to understand how much money. And again, I'm not criticizing this at all. From Dana Dykhouse's perspective, he wanted it to happen. He's got it. it's his money, boom. But
2: Fred O'Neill had that in his pocket. He had to have huge assurances, as you say, that that was going to happen. I, I think when you uh, and, and probably I don't know, you know, Dana's financial stature has evolved since you know you go back to when it happened. Mm-hmm. But um, a guy who totally believes in. In supporting SDSU yeah. sports and uh, and SDSU and, as an institution yes absolutely and there's nothing uh, wrong with that and you know you, you're, I'm associated with USD and uh, it, you know there's always like eh, Dana Dykus no. and and this is just reality and it's yep. what it's like at every school that yep. you pick on somebody else but uh, you know my experience with Dana over the years has been fantastically positive yeah. and he's, he's Mine helped me out with a bunch of stories and My USD homies don't like hearing that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't. And we, we, you and I lived through that. But it's true. Yeah. And uh, it was a very strange time in terms of that. We got accused of a lot of stuff. Um, And and you know, everything has a grain of (laughs) truth. But it's uh, Daniel's been nothing but nice to me. But on the other side, you know, uh, when USD went, um, they knew they had to raise a lot of money. You know what USD's good at? raising money, right? They didn't have Dana Dykhouse necessarily, but they had Ted Munster and Jim Abbott. And once Jim Abbott decided it was something they had to do, they were all in. And I don't know about you, but I was kind of amazed at how much money they actually have raised for sports at USD, which
2: as a long time, uh, covering it for a long time, you know, sports is maybe not the highest priority. It's, it, and it continues in its own way. I mean, there are different ways of measuring it now, but it continues to be a challenge there mm-hmm. in, in some ways with with uh, cultivating fan interest, cultivating student culture interest. And uh, it's they don't something, care. It's something that they've wrestled they with, and it's yeah. and you could have. I mean, there are all sorts of potential factors here involved in it. But um, isn't it weird, though? And I think this is something about colleges
1: that they don't have the culture. Right, and so I am lucky enough to spend a little time in Ohio these days, as you know, and going to the University of Ohio in Athens, um, and their football stadium, which is looks like Augie, right? It's a college with 30,000 kids in it, right? It's a tiny football stadium. It's it's an hour and a half from Ohio State, which is one of the biggest football stadiums in the country, right? There's a there, the, it's the same thing here there is some schools have a culture of sports and some don't Mm -hmm. and it's a strange animal in that regard and not something i really thought about when i was at usd Mm -hmm. but you see it now and you're like yeah they you go to a football game at usd and the kids hang out till halftime and
2: they are gone how many times have you seen that oh absolutely and it's i made the joke publicly uh, yeah. publicly. I don't, that's a little too pompous for tweeting out something. <laughs> it's on record. But, but right now, okay, it's a, it's third quarter in a game, and it's like, who would win, right, and I would take a picture, mm-hmm. and i go, who'd win in a tug-of-war right now between these guys and the people in the library? <laughs> <laughs> and, that's right. It's a great line. But, because there's nobody there. And, well, uh, I was in the,
1: I will say this, this goes way back. I went to... Uh, uh, my friend David is here. We both went to the university. Uh, my my uh, sound uh, technician, David, is here. And we both went to the university at, in 1983. And I, re- I was in the band. The, we would leave. The band would leave after halftime. So, I mean, that's a cultural issue, right? Well,
2: you know, and you know, I, I work for USD now, too. Yes, you, know. you do. Um, but... Um... It is an industry-wide deal, the, the boredom, or at least the, the lack yeah. of engagement is something that goes on all over the place, and maybe there are a few places where it doesn't still, it doesn't happen, you know, maybe Nebraska. Uh, they I don't still, know, kids, but they, the students don't but, even go, right? They sell their tickets. Yeah, and so Minnesota, it is a huge problem right now. That yeah. They've done stories, Star Trip has done stories on it, it's just like, these guys, these kids don't care anymore mm-hmm. they find better things to do and uh so usd's had to struggle with that a little bit and i think that they they the the leadership there embraces the challenge but it i think that they would acknowledge that it is it is something and it, it is a i mean you look at i don't know what the the male female and i don't think i'm treading on i'm gonna lose my job when i say that there's some, that there's some differences when you have a different percentage of gender and they're 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 the the idea that they're going to go to a sport is probably a little bit different mm-hmm. between men and women mm-hmm. is that okay to say yeah didn't? it is uh,
1: women's sports don't draw like men's sports so what,
2: i mean it's just... no and and but women don't go to sports like right. men go to sports and right. i think that's the bigger issue here i think that if you look at the men who go to watch that women's team pray. uh down there, and it's a real jewel of Basketball. the athletic department yep. these days. Um, that you would see great, you know, great patronage, um, From, it, by men percentage wise, yeah, yeah. There's just
1: women, I mean, and it's fine, we're not trying to gender stereotype no. here, Mick. No, let's just let's just state this for the record. Yeah. Uh, as so I look around, it is a room full of men, <laughs> but the audience is very, oh, well, thank god, a woman showed up. Uh, but uh. It's true. It's part of the deal. Right. Um, I I don't want to... We are belaboring it, but that's okay. Let's think about this for a second, though. How much money has been spent? The the USD is improving. Uh, Now they're raising all the money. They've raised most of the money privately, right? They raise huge sums of money to do these things. Right.
2: And and, uh, I think that, you know, in the old days, especially when they were just starting out with it, it's like, well, you know... I'm not I don't want to pay for this. I don't right. want to pay for that. You're not. Mm-mm. This is privately raised right. and because the state of South Dakota, and this is where I was had a problem with the mm-hmm. state of South Dakota ain't gonna help. Well absolutely. And I don't think I think if you look at national context on something like that, both of those schools, USD and SDSU, they do a much heavier lifting to get done what they have to get done than they do in some other places. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And that SDSU same thing. They built a huge a stadium is ginormous.
1: By comparison, right? It holds like 18,000 people or something. Yes. It's right? yeah. a huge stadium if you haven't seen it. They don't feel that thing anymore. It's a little it like Hobo Day, but that's it.
2: It's, uh, well, you know, it gets cold out here by... It gets even colder in Brookings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I like that they have a, that we have a place like that in this state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, like
1: a Jason Aldean concert, that sort of thing? Well, Yeah but <laughs> <laughs> <There
2: we go>. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you did you know that yeah right and, and they swung for the fences on it and yep. I love that part of the, the spirit of it you gotta and, think big and I There's and I want that. I want this to happen yeah and uh, but I think that it's it, you're asking a lot on a on a November 2nd It's tough when it's 35 degrees that you're going to get Anywhere near nineteen thousand in there for for a game that's where you're only following one of the teams. It's not a it's not a bipartisan It's not crowd. state U game. And and even that it doesn't you know they they haven't had plus it's, plus when you have your playoff games which yep. are competitively in a competitive context are your biggest games by far. Everybody's got to pay to get in. You got to you got to resell all those tickets. You know it's not just depending on it's tough. and it's a it's a tough deal. Do you think they made a mistake building it that big? Well, this big stadium. But if you looked at it, let's you know, if you really want to make that statement and go, Mm -hmm. they made it too big, uh, you're worried about those empty seats there, all right? Well, if okay, so what should you have made it, and how much money would you have Mm -hmm. saved? And maybe it's not. I'm guessing, you know, changing it from let's say they wanted 15 grand, which would be probably a more realistic thing. Uh, but what did you save by making it 19 yeah, grand instead and and are you just grinding on this because it's something where I really hate them
1: where, no, where, I mean, that's, there's no doubt about it I just hate them so much
2: right and so I
1: would so say I want to see them fail miserably right. I would right. say to
2: that like what would you have made it then and how much money would they have saved if they made it to your specification <laughs> <laughs> no I, I just I because right away it was full all the time mm-hmm. And then
1: and their football team's good The football team's gotten better
2: right it's been they got a quarterback that's playing for the cowboys so far the, the um their program uh their football program has been unbelievable yep it's really and, good and only in when you're comparing it to ndsu which is ridiculous i mean that's this stupid. is like nothing that's ever happened in the history of football let alone in college football let alone at this level of football. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, no one's ever seen it. They need to get a job. And, and <laughs> so in that context they're not measuring up, but in every yeah. other context and and God bless John Stiglmeyer who they wanted out of their, you know, half the way through his division 2 career. Yeah. And has run that program and done a great job with it. Much beloved. I I'd say we, had, we had a
1: uh, we actually had a colleague at one point whom you'll remember when remain nameless who had who bought the domain <laughs> all, our,
2: all our former colleagues remain nameless.
1: <laughs> <laughs> who bought the domain name to firestig.com which okay. that's that's I mean it's going back it's going back away uh, oh <laughs> you know the man now 15 years later still a coach. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the coach so the website didn't take off the way he had hoped um mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's move on from. We're not going to take a break. Okay. We're just going to keep going. Yep. Right, there's right. no point in breaking. No. Right? Crowds into it. So okay. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about once twins. we ran out those two near wells we <laughs> <know? laughs> They were like thinking they were having a private conversation back there. And I'm I'm watching the levels. I can see it registering. I, and one of them worked at uh, a major healthcare provider. I don't okay. think they want to be talking, yeah. You know. <laughs> You don't want that yeah, yeah. to happen. Well, you
2: should, we should probably patch it up with those two afterwards. Yeah, afterwards
1: we'll, we'll get them a drink. Yeah. It'll be fine. Here at the Full Circle Book Co-op, your uh, <laughs> conservative, communist, left-leaning, libertarian bookstore and cafe in beautiful downtown South Sioux Falls, 123 West 10th Street. Come on down. It really is one of the best spots in the city. Where normally every Tuesday night, uh, when the city council is meeting, we have city council bingo. That's not tonight. Do you want to talk politics at all? i Nick Gary.
2: I have just. I'm such nope.
1: a. You're not even paying attention. Anymore, I mean are you?
2: T- I made. Mean, what I am is a piss poor Democrat. <laughs> okay? Beyond that, I have no. I can't describe. You're a classic me. Minnesota Democrat. Is that fair? I never. I didn't know a Republican until I was about. Until I went to St. Thomas. Wow. <laughs> and you grew up in Austin in a in a union family, right? Union. Well, Good well, Irish. Yeah, teachers union. Yeah, and. But everybody in, in, in Austin is a union family back then. Especially. It was it was a union town, yep. and uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, didn't, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the people that I knew in high school that they're would all, have been. They're all Democrats. They were all so the uh, the,
1: and I, I think you and I have talked about this before. Is the documentary "The American Dream," which is based in Austin on a yeah. based, uh, documents a Hormel strike. Yeah, because I don't know if you people know this or not. Austin is the home of Spam. Oh, yeah. Spam? Yeah. 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 All right. Just in case anybody is, there's any equivocation on that. So, uh, they went on strike and Austin and we were having a strike at the same time at the Morrell plant mm-hmm. and I remember there's a scene in the American Dream where the Union guys from Austin come over here and the cameras come with them and it's a bunch of guys, dads of friends of mine growing up in the neighborhood. This is a very weird moment and uh, I need to go back and watch it again. But that's Seeing that that's your life, man. That's your childhood.
2: That that's how we grew up. And everybody who, you know, it, it, my my dad was a, a teacher, and we had eighteen thousand kids yep. in the family. So that kind of dummied it down a little bit as far as our personal, you know, how we enjoyed <laughs> our cost of living. But right,
1: your your family was a nice middle class family. But when you're splitting it fourteen ways, it yeah. tends to get diluted.
2: But I guess my point <laughs> is that. The most the kids that I knew when I was a kid, that'd be where I would hang out with yep. when I was a kid. But uh, their dads worked at the plant, yep. and a lot of them were really intelligent people who just they didn't consider going to college they, mm-hmm. because they wanted because the money was good there. Mm-hmm. And these families all had cabins, a boat, and two snowmobiles, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was it it was a good life for these people and they worked their butts off and and you would hear you know the hormel i mean they became a successful company because they motivated their employees and they provided motivation for them and they also saved the world
1: in world war ii yes you know the spam kept the british empire alive during Mm -hmm. world war ii so i mean we just say that right that's a good motivator right yeah
2: and they were always, uh, they were the best. They treated their people the best. Yep. But when it was time, it was time. And, and the being at, it was late 80s. Yep. And having gone through it and knowing people that yep. on both sides of it, and the, the viciousness and just this, the emotional, how it, how it emotionally ripped that town apart was, it was fascinating mm-hmm. in, in one way, but, you know, but just upsetting and in in hindsight now it was something that was inevitable it was going to happen but that was the front edge of it because these people had uh, these expectations Mm -hmm. and they've been built up over (laughs) decades you do this you do this a plus b equals c this is how we do it in this town we go to work here if we want to and we're it's a good living we work hard and and we were lucky here and same thing happened but we're a little bit bigger town yeah, a little bit
1: able to absorb it, mm-hmm. but you're right. It just tore, the Town's never really been the same, right?
2: Hormel uh, plant's still there. Hormel plant's still there, and God bless them that their their corporate offices are still there. Yeah. So you have a lot of an inordinate number of peop, professional level people who still live in that town, mm-hmm. but otherwise it it has dramatically changed yeah. that town, and it's uh, it falls along uh, ethnic lines and mm-hmm. and. Uh, it, and it's a different town. It, I think it's still a great town, but uh, it is definitely different since those days. Uh,
1: let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. We yeah. keep I keep going off on these changes because I just that was our it. kind of
2: politics. That was part. good.
1: I enjoy the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, twins are going to win the division.
2: I think ultimately they're gonna. Um, you have you just have such a uh, offensive minded team. Mm-hmm. It's fun to watch. And it's not like okay, they're hitting better than last year. No, they're hitting at a historic level for the history of Major League Baseball. They're going to set the home run record. It, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But and, Twins, and uh, and you know that it doesn't. You know, you know if you watch a lot of baseball, that hitting doesn't laugh. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's not going to win you a World Series. You can't just you gotta, have, gotta have pitching and defense. Yeah, and that's where they they lack a little bit.
1: You know but, who I know is not going to win a World Series this year? Ron Gardenhire. Um, can we just uh, can we just uh, stomp on the grave of the Detroit Tigers for a little while, just in case there's a couple key people
2: listening? I can talk about Bless you boys. I can talk about Gardy for a while. Yeah, I, I feel kind of bad for him because I love Gardner. He, he's um, a great man. The the times that I dealt dealt with him, number one, is really cool. But I'd hear hear, <clears> hear stories <throat> about Gardy, where he's like he is the coolest guy on earth. And But it doesn't prohibit me from now taunting from afar. <laughs> and, and you're down by 13 runs, and it's like, yeah, you better get Nick Punto in there. <laughs> Got yeah. Put him in cleanup so he can bunt, you know, or hit behind a runner or some other happy horse. Slap right? it slap yeah. it to the right side. Yeah. Dive into first. Some He's other a, happy he, horse. It's... it's uh, it's that an easy, was, yeah. It's an easy – he's an easy target on yeah. a lot of this stuff.
1: Especially now when he's 34 games out, Yeah. which I just – God, there's nothing better. Sometimes I, I look at the standings, and I, I just stare at it for a while. I just let it, let myself absorb the fact that the Tigers are in last place and way downtown. Yeah. Way, they've won – they're winning about three out of ten games. Mm-hmm. That's that's high pleasure. For they me. lost what
2: eighty eight games or eighty nine. They could lose 100 like games.
1: It's, it's fun to watch. It's where
2: it's where there's no there can't be any context for how this came about and injuries and it's at the end of the year. It's over, Guardy. We're gonna have to go in a different direction here because we can't associate because you're gonna be carrying this around with us unfairly, I would guess, but. Uh.
1: Yeah, it's a tough gig. So I had John Nichols on the show the other day, and you know Johnny, the common man, and we talked about the Twins, and I talked about, and I know you'll agree with me, how horrible Dick Bramer has got to go. The TV broadcaster for the Twins. It's time. The other night, I'm watching the Tigers and the Twins play, right? And the game was decent, but for some reason, Smalley's in there, which I can't stand. And Smalley's trying to talk about how great the Tigers are as a team. Mm -hmm. You know, you really, uh, there's such a... Every night over there, they're playing it. They're playing. They're thirty-four games out. Mm-hmm. Well, God, what what rule? Where is it written that you have to have some old Twins guy as the color guy on TV? Why?
2: Why? See, now, I don't. I don't mind Roy. Uh, I
1: don't mind. Roy. I, I, think, you know, I, I, I I liked uh, Jason. Uh, who's back? Uh, 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 Morneau.
2: Morneau. Justin. Sorry. Justin Morneau is very conscientious. It's I obvious he that he's good. not mailing it in and no. just going, okay, I'm this former baseball player. He He's he's following, he's doing what he's supposed to do to to make this something that... I can't take Royce uh, I, you know, I not, What are your thoughts I'm on Burt? Circle me, Burt. I would say this about Burt, that it's... <laughs> I just thought of a story I know about Burt and... <laughs> Now I'm tempted to tell it.
1: But Would this be the first time we'd broadcast to the world? First time, Burt, July 11 story? Like,
2: okay. okay. No, I'm not, <laughs> no, not going to do, do it. I'll tell it later. It's, okay, it's off pretty, camera. It's pretty funny, though. Okay. Okay. But yeah. um, with with Burt, I think he realized, okay, it's time. It's yeah. time, and so I'm going to do 30 or 40 games, and yeah. that's yeah. going to be it. He's hardly ever on anymore. Sort of like Gladden on the radio. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think Dick... Would be, he's just done it long enough. Yeah, he, ah, he's God. he's done it long enough, and he's gone through so many tough years where he was had to be <laughs> cast as the apo- the perpetual apologist for this,
1: and that would be the worst, right? Yes. Every day you got to yes. get up there and do that. Mm-hmm. But this whole I don't I got no allegiance to people. the whole Fox Sports North thing. is just tired. Everybody on there is terrible. They all need to get fired. I'm tired of listening to them. Their Timberwolves stuff is the worst.
2: The just get start over. Oh. I would say that it's, it's much easier to take that as your opinion when it's always bad. When you're looking at, you see the brand, mm-hmm. and you see this guy, and it's bad news. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Tom Hanneman or whatever the hell and his th- name is. These people oh, are going to make it stop. These guys are, are going to polish up this turd tonight again. <laughs> and, and Tim just, Laudner and you just deal with it. You know? then
1: all I can think of when I'm seeing Tim Laudner on the pre and the post game show for the Twins, and I respect the ball man, of course, but all I can think about is the dude hit. I, he was a catcher in a World Series winning. I can't take that away. He's got
2: a ring. He's got all that,
1: but he was hitting like a buck eighty two. Right?
2: Yes. I couldn't get I a hit he, to
1: save his life.
2: He, I think he spawned the the phrase buck 90 <laughs> <laughs> for somebody where they they're batting every starts so with a number that goes straight up and down.
1: But he um, was a, you know, he was a Tom Kelly guy, you know. He's out there calling a good game, calling a solid game, keeping Burton Tro yeah. keeping Viola on target, blah, 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 trying to get
2: Frankie through a game. The oh the Laudner, the Launer career descent is a curious case because it was very shortly after he you know he'd been a, considered a decent player that his career was over and it was because his decline as a hitter was so profound mm-hmm. and so quick it was like he, he can't hit at all anymore it's there's crazy. nothing there and and that was it for him and it's kind of a sad part of it mm-hmm. but you know he won a world series so yeah
1: so yes or no twins room win the division yes i say yes okay yeah. and then they lose in the first round
2: i would also yeah. say yes okay.
1: yeah that's, that's fair okay. um uh before we uh, before i let you go uh because we've been running this has gone
2: this is gone quick
1: yeah it has and it's a podcast so we don't really have to stop okay. right? i mean let's be serious right nobody has to quit li- hey, anybody can quit listening no anytime no council meeting um <coughs> vikings i'm not a huge vikings fan like i don't cry big crocodile tears when you know, they went, uh, mm-hmm. what was his name? Uh, uh, Brett Favre throws that in it. You know, I yes. don't, that's not me, but, um, this, uh, Kirk cousins experience this experiment. Is this, is this going to happen? or is, it, is this just folly at this point?
2: Well, you know, he was okay last year. He wasn't I don't think he, I don't think he justified his paycheck and I don't think he was ever going to technically do that and people who judge him through like well he's making X amount this much so mm-hmm. he's Should so be they're paying guy. him to be an elite no it was it was the market and yeah. their need. and that's what fostered the his 23 million a year part of it so I don't th- I don't think that you can automatically expect you're going to get a, but a,
1: people's expectations are so high at that point yeah it doesn't matter what you do
2: but We'd, the, uh, I would say, the, based on, especially based on last week, one week, mm-hmm. the, and I didn't see the game, but I was listening on the radio as they were going along, and uh, Paul Allen, mm-hmm. and it was like, they, they were trying to keep things up, but no, it's like this is profoundly bad what we're seeing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will say, the thing about the Vikings radio broadcast is that they are actually, like, truthful. They'll get disgusted with the play on the field, no. and I, I actually
2: enjoy that. That is the worst I've ever seen. And, and Paul, That's what I want to hear. Yeah, and and Paul Allen is—if you listen to him, I, he works. He, he squeezes information mm-hmm. into clauses and in his sentences during a play, and I think he's—I think he's very good at what he does. He's and a he, craftsman. There's he, no question. He, he Great on people, but his knowledge is. He he's, Who's this buddy? The
1: former uh, Stu? No, what's what's the side man on the radio? He's a former Viking
2: guy, lineman maybe. Let's uh, see here. I don't Cam, think no, he has. Uh, I don't think on a daily basis yeah, he has a side I, guy now. Uh, the, the, but, the, but the rest, anybody else
1: yes. they pull with him is terrible. But yeah. but the thing I like about them is that they are genuine. Like they're pissed, right? They give up some sloppy touchdown to the Packers, and they they're, they're going to get drilled from the booth.
2: That, that, it, I appreciate that. It, the greg coleman sermon yes, that's right uh, before kickoff. that's that is something that that's a destination radio <laughs> thing you should listen to that it's sometime. good i it's very creative it's it's I'll not for, it's not for everybody no. in and you could easily make a case for it being preposterously stupid <laughs> <laughs> but it's there and it's it's part of the tradition of that yeah. radio broadcast but um
1: but, and and so they win the, the North. What's it's it's North now, right? The yeah. Just...
2: You see that you don't know exactly with the the Packers, given that they have a new coach. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they have the greatest, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and he's still pretty he, good. He's, he's still very good. Uh, but I think the the other deal is uh, Chicago, and Chicago potentially has a chance to be. They seem to be uh, in the, the ascendancy, uh, right? Yes, exactly. And, that would be the part of it that where I wouldn't, you know, I don't know. I think the Vikings will be able to scrap it out and make the playoffs. That would be my instinct. But I don't know if they're a good team. It doesn't a, feel like it. Yeah.
1: But in the NFL anymore,
2: really, what are you talking about, like four good teams?
1: Yeah. And the rest of them are just scrapping around trying to make something cool.
2: I think, I think the one thing is Delvin Cook's health, if he's able to do this. And they just, the Viking fans have seen just little snippets of, of, of Delvin Cook. Yeah. And it's not potential. This guy could be, if he stays healthy through mm-hmm. the season, uh, he could be the be- one of the best offensive players in the league. I really mm-hmm. think that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has to, to stay healthy, and then that it's line is, the line has kind of got to facilitate the whole deal. Get too many South Dakotans on there. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all. I mean, it, it's all about getting better at covering up <laughs> that Kirk Cousins is a fairly modest talent, I think. And, but if, they're, if they do that, then he's going to be good enough to at least keep him going. That's what I would say. Um, now,
1: before I do let you go, you got to wh- how much you want to talk about what you're doing now? So you, you left the artist yeah. leader yeah. a year ago, six months ago, what? Uh, six months, yeah. This is in January. January. Yeah. Um, uh, it happens to everybody. Yeah. We didn't even talk about the business, which is fine. Huh? I don't want to talk about that. Um, but. Uh, uh, Maybe I do. No, oh, I'm kidding. Yeah. Okay. And we get. Go ahead. There's plenty of battery. Right. Um, the, <laughs> uh, I don't know how much you want to talk about what you're doing now, but people are always interested. Well, you. Yeah. I still see you associated with USD. So what's the deal with that?
2: Okay. That's uh, not your full-time gig. No, not at all. Uh, I. I had. It was an obvious. So especially when I got out of the business, mm-hmm. that I would. That uh, if USD wanted to use me. For th- some things mm-hmm. wanted to pay me for some things mm-hmm. uh that i'd be very interested in it because it's i, I just i like that life mm-hmm. i like i like covering usd and uh so um that you know and so i'm gonna probably write like a story a week throughout the school year um for those guys and they
1: label that like on facebook they, they get you know mix corner or whatever they call yeah. it that's, oh yeah it's no, pretty cool they're nice like job.
2: living you up over there you're not yeah. just some hired hand <laughs> Absolutely. Otherwise, uh, Sanford Health News is is yeah. what I do, and it's a, I guess the technical term that I'm becoming more comfortable with is content marketing. Yeah, where it's the the what I do is is inform uh, versus promote, and it's
1: just writing stories.
2: Yeah, and th- that is the that's the cool part. And as much as it, it getting whacked, getting up one day and going to the Argus Leader and it's over, and never being surprised by that and i told myself no over the last yeah. couple of years it's like okay if this happens i'm not going to be surprised no, but i'm still not, i'm still gonna be bummed yeah well so there's a little distinction there but uh in the days since then uh, things ha- could not have gone better and um taking on a job at sanford where i can still use the instincts that i've developed over the years mm-hmm and uh being part of a, another team where people are very supportive and very motivated very similar to the argus in that i mean it's a different world in a lot of ways but less swearing less swearing more yeah. civility yeah. yeah well i
1: think that's good uh, i think but, everybody can appreciate that that there's less things flying through the air
2: yeah and uh and there's all, all this you know you have all this anxiety when you do one thing for this long especially when it's something kind of distinctive Mm -hmm. and you know it's not a real job (laughs) it's you're you're monkeying around in the toy department for 28 and a half years (laughs) and and all of a sudden you got what you think is a normal job and you're worried about how you're going to be able to do it and the anxiety involved there and it's it's been great and um these are smart people, motivated people that I work with now, and um, a lot of the assignments I get are things that I would have just—I wouldn't have said no, I can't do this. But I would have—there would have been a ton of anxiety, and now it's more like oh, I can do this. And at my age, to be able to change, uh, you know, being 57 mm-hmm. um, years old, and I'm very fortunate that it worked out the way it did. Do you ever back out of your driveway and go the wrong direction? <laughs> early on there was a couple of days and it's like oh shit yeah, over here <laughs> uh,
1: that's going to happen that's going to happen yeah. well Mick McGarry um, people can still find your, your work uh, online with uh, USD yep. through USD's website and on yeah. Facebook and yeah. they can still find your work
2: your your work is
1: public through Sanford Stanford Health
2: News, yeah, and it's it's their website, and it's kind of like looking at a newspaper, and it's not profoundly promotional okay. stuff. There are some compelling there are compelling things involved yeah. that uh, when you've got a community they that tell. big, you, and you write primarily, you you don't necessarily write all sports.
1: No, um, I would
2: say 20% of it right now would be sports. Do you got to yeah.
1: cover the uh, big golf tournament? You do that?
2: I'll be part of that. Yeah.
1: Sanford International. That's pretty fun. It's yeah. a good gig. That'll be cool. So, well, congratulations. We're very happy you landed on the feed. Uh, and uh, I, first I need to mention, thank you to uh, the Full Circle Book Co-op, your conservative communist left-leaning libertarian bookstore and cafe, for having us every week on Tuesday nights. Next, uh, we'll be back for city council whenever they come back. When is it? Tuesday, next Tuesday, the day after Labor Day. Um and we'll be back for a, a city council meeting. Yes? Are we getting nods on the city council? Is, yes. We have a QA session coming up here too, by the way. There's some questions. What? We have questions yeah, for have this question, on this show? About, uh, Austin.
2: Oh, yeah. I just wonder, isn't John Madden wasn't he from that area? Yeah. He yeah. lived there until he was like, I don't know. John I mean, Madden, really? Four or five? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Well
1: yeah. that's your little factoid of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to uh, my, my sound producer, David, for that one.
2: The Hormel company brought him in one time, and yeah, it was cool. He ate a turkey made out of Spam. That's nice.
1: It is really one of the most famous towns that nobody knows.
2: Yeah, we yeah, I mean, could Spam. Cause it, cause they've gelled meat. The, the whole, the whole uh, company has got the good fortune of having this one iconic yep. thing. that they And a museum. Yeah.
1: There's a canned meat yeah. museum there. It's impressive. The daddy. We need, the we need to talk dad. about the Gear Daddies. The, the, the,
2: we yeah. we will, it will. What? We got to get Martin my, on the my show. My Burt Blylevin story involves the Gear Daddies. What? Um, That's it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying about this. If we got Martin Zeller next time he's in
1: town, because we didn't even go to this, but you are friends with Martin Zeller. You yeah. grew up together. Yeah. You need to get him on the podcast. He doesn't need to come to the Full Circle Book Co op, but I will go to him because okay. he will be back. And yes. we will tell the Burt Blylevin story. Is that yes. fair? Yes. Oh, okay. yeah.
2: no, that's good. Yeah. I like that. that, that,
1: be that p- yeah. That's going to get people tuning in to this podcast every week, yeah. just, just in case. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I want to thank my uh, sponsor, <laughs> as always, Northview Bait and Tackle, where you can get bait, tackle, uh, propane, propane accessories, U-Haul, long-term storage, and uh, the best high-end dog and cat food in the city. And we thank them, as always. But, uh, Mick Gary, thank you for being here, and I uh, hope to see you again real soon.
2: Yeah it's been great thanks
1: and to my studio audience we will see you next time Woo!